So we are in week three of a series called Not a Fan, if you are just joining us. And we're discussing whether you are a fan of Jesus or a follower of Jesus. So what keeps you from following Christ? What keeps us from following Christ? Sometimes it's the little things that we fear. We have a little bit of fear inside of us sometimes. Maybe we're afraid to share Christ for some reason. Maybe we're afraid of what other people will think about us. What keeps you from following Christ? Hey, Grandpa. Yes, Billy. Hey, uh, uh, Grandpa, I got a question for you. Okay, shoot, puppy. Puppy? Hey, puppy. Puppy? Uh, Grandpa, uh, wh- what does it mean when it snows? Uh, that means the angels are washing their hair. Oh. Grandpa, Grandpa, I got another question. All right. What does it mean when it rains? Yeah. That means they're rinsing their hair. Oh. Grandpa, well, well, what does it mean when it thunders then? Oh, little one. That means they had chalupas for supper the night before. <laughs> like it affects me. Ask for Grandma. Whoa. I, I didn't need to know that, Grandpa. Grandpa, Grandpa, I got another question. Uh, you know, all, all these bad things are always happening. You know, you see these people, they go into the church, and they, and they, and they shot people. And out, out, out at that concert, they shot people. And when those planes, they hit those buildings. And, and I'm just really scared, Grandpa. I mean, why, why, why does God let all these bad things happen? Now, shh, little one, little one. Grandpa tells you a lot of stories. They sound like stories, but now I'll tell you the truth. From the beginning of time, there's been bad and good and evil and God, people against devil's people. But, little one, I've read the book from cover to cover. And in the end, God wins. Yes, he does. Good triumphs over evil. What keeps you from following God? What keeps us from following God? We justify our sin. We say, well, maybe just this one time. It's just only a little bit of sin. It won't hurt. What keeps you from following God? Dad, 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 Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, uh, you you remember that movie I was talking to you about the other day and how all my buddies are going to go see it? Yeah, you remember that movie? Yeah. Well, uh... They're all going to go see it. Now, Now, l- let me just tell you that in this movie, there is some violence. Now, now it's just, just a little itty-bitty violence. And, well, that's okay because I know it isn't real. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, and also in this movie, there's, there's just a little itty-bitty bit of cussing. And that not a lot, not a lot of cussing, just okay. an itty bitty little bit. And I know that's okay, because it's not real. Okay? Mm-hmm. And and also in this movie, there's there's nudity, but just a little itty 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 bit of nudity. 
And, and I know, <laughs> I, I know that it isn't real. And there's, can, can I go, please, 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 can I go? You can go. You never let me, wait, what? I said you can go. Oh, my gosh, you are the best dad in the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Whoa, 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 son. I knew we were going to talk about this, and I knew this was a special occasion. So I made you my homemade brownies, your favorite. You, you made my favorite brownies? Just for you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Yeah. They are. They look amazing. Oh, oh my gosh. they are. Oh. They are. Oh. Same great ingredients as always. Mm. Mm. You know, you got the milk, mm-hmm. the flour, mm. the egg, mm. you know. But I did add a little mm. bit of something else. Mm, they're so good. I, mm. You look like you're enjoying them. Yeah. Oh. Tastes uh. good. Mm. You know. <laughs> got the chocolate chips. <laughs> but I added just a little bit of something mm. else. Just a little bit. Mm. Powdered sugar? Yeah, mm. there's a little bit of powdered sugar. Mm. Brown sugar? There's a little bit of brown sugar, mm. but that's not it. That's always in there. Just a mm. little bit of something special. Paprika? No. Mm. Mm. I, I don't know. What is it? Dog poop. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> mm. ah. well, that's dog poop. Yeah, mm. yeah, it is. Mm. But it's just a little bit. Mm. Just a little bit. What? Why did you put dog poop in my brownies? Son, it's just a little bit. It shouldn't affect the whole batch. It's just a little bit. Just a little bit. Oh, I get it now. Dad, if you wanted, if you didn't want me to go see the movie, all you had to say was, son, you, I don't want you to go see the movie, okay? You didn't have to make me eat poop brownies. It's just a little bit. Oh, well. I don't want to go see the movie now anyway. I need to go get a drink. And that better be lemonade in the refrigerator. (laughs) What keeps you from following God? What keeps us from following God? Sometimes it's ourselves. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in ourselves, making ourselves look good, that we don't realize... That we are the reason that we're not getting close to Jesus. We are the reason that other people are not following Christ. So what keeps you from following God? Hey, man, where have you been this weekend? Oh, you know, I had that church thing. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You totally should have invited me. I did invite you and the rest of the family. And you never come. You're a total atheist. I am not an atheist. I just don't believe in God. Uh... Oh, guess I am an atheist. Learn something new every day. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, how was it? Uh, it was good. You know, God showed up. What? Yeah, God showed up. What does that even mean? Like, does a white limo show up in front of the church? Doors open. Smoke comes out. God is in the house. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> Praise be to you. Like, seriously, what does that even mean? It's not like that. You know, I, I don't know how to explain it, you know. It's like a microwave. I don't know how to explain a microwave. It just works, you know? No, because with a microwave, I can go get the manual for the microwave to see how it works. You're just talking about this. I can't explain it. I just feel it. 
I knew you were going to go there. Right here. Amen. This is my manual. Your Bible? Yeah. Okay, show me. Well, um, John 3.16. No, 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 no. Don't spout off John 3.16. Everybody knows that one. Well, you're kind of putting me on the spot here. That's not a manual for you. That's a trophy. It is not a trophy. Yes, it is. And you know what? This whole thing is just a joke. What's a joke? Christianity is a joke? Yes. Christianity became a joke when all of the so-called Christians stopped acting like they're so-called God. You know what? It doesn't even matter. It's not a big deal. It does matter. It matters a lot. No. You know what? There's only one difference between you and me. No, there's a big difference between no. us. The only difference is that you believe in God and I don't. No, there's a big difference. Okay. If you ask anybody what the difference is between you and me, they're not going to see anything. So what that means is if you're getting in, I'm getting in too. So what? You miss a, a little bit of sleep on Sundays. That's okay. But if you, Mr. I go to church all the time, is getting in, then me, little miss, oh, how does mom say it? Going to hell in a handbasket? I'm getting in too. You're good. I'm good. Are, do you want to keep arguing about this? No. It's not fair. Ooh, that's not fair you say. What'd you call me? I didn't call you anything. Yes, you did. You just called me a name. No. You said, that's not fair. I said, that's not fair, you say. Oh. I thought you called me a Pharisee. What is that? A religious person who looks good on the outside, but empty and hollow on the inside. <laughs> yeah, I'd hate to call you that. Listen, we're all going to go to a movie later. Do you want to come? Yeah. Now, it is a bit racy. Might want to bring your manual. Oh, too far? What keeps you from following God? What keeps us from following God? Sometimes, it's just ourselves. Like I said, we are in week three of Not a Fan. And we were trying to decide if you were a fan or a follower of Christ. There's a big difference between being a fan and a follower of Christ. A fan is described as an enthusiastic admirer. A fan sits on the sidelines and cheers the team on. Where a follower is right down on the field, right down there with Jesus Getting dirty. Jesus never called us to be just a fan. So how do you become a follower of Christ? Well, the first step is by asking Christ into your heart. The terminology we use in the church, you know, becoming a Christian, becoming saved. You know, saying, God, I know you died, sent your son to die for me. I know I'm a sinner, and I want to challenge you that if you have never done that, if you can't remember a time and place that you said, God, I'm a sinner, forgive me, I challenge you today to go ahead and do that. See one of uh, the deacons, see me come up at the end, you know, during invitation and reflection, and put your trust in him. Jesus was never interested in fans. 
when he defines what type of relationship he wants, he wants something more than an enthusiastic admirer. In Kyle Eidelman's book, he says this, My concern that many of our churches in America have gone from being sanctuaries to stadiums. And every week fans come to the stadium to cheer for Jesus, but have no interest in truly following him. The biggest threat today in the church is fans who call themselves Christians, but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything of them. The key verse to this not a fan series is this. In Luke 9.23, it says, And he, meaning Jesus, said to them, If any man, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I'd like to focus on this verse for a few moments. You know, so... Here we have Jesus. He's saying, if you want to be called a Christian, if you want to truly be a Christian, here is what you need to do. You need to take up your cross, deny yourself, and you need to follow me. A lot of people will say, you know what? I love Jesus. I will die for Jesus. And here is my fear. Jesus is looking at them and saying, how can you die for me? When you won't even live for me. How are you going to die for Jesus if you're not even living your life for him? Taking up your cross and following Jesus can and will bring you pain and suffering. You can't carry a cross without suffering. You cannot carry that cross that Jesus died on without suffering. Can you really say that you are carrying a cross if it hasn't cost you anything? Has it cost you anything? Is there sacrifice involved? If you're not at least a little bit uncomfortable, then there's a chance you are not carrying a cross. Being a follower of Jesus is not easy, and it will cost you something. For some, when their relationship with Jesus starts to alter their relationship with their family and their friends that is asking too much. Two weeks ago when I preached, I talked about defining the relationship with Jesus. What is your relationship with Jesus like? He wants more than just a weekend relationship. We talked about Nicodemus. For Nicodemus, he had a huge decision to make. For he was a Pharisee. And Jesus sat down and said, how are we going to define this relationship? For Nicodemus, it would cost him a powerful position. It would cost him the respect of others. It would cost him the source of his livelihood. And most likely, it would cost him some family relationships. The second part of Luke 9.23 says, if you want to be called a Christian, you must deny yourself. You must say, I am not what I used to be. I am what it claim, I need to claim what it says in 2 Corinthians, where it says, if you are in Christ, you are a new creature. The old is gone and the new has come. And in Ephesians 4, it says, you must put off the old self. Turn real quick to Romans. 
Romans chapter 12, another verse where it talks about being transformed in a new person. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, it says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I urge you, listen up, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but ye be transformed. So once you become a Christian, you become transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You can't come after Jesus without denying yourself. The phrase deny yourself just isn't saying, you know, it's not resisting yourself. It's saying, I don't even exist anymore. I'm not even acknowledging my own existence because I have so much of Christ inside of me. And the third part of Luke 9.23 says, follow me. Today we are going to talk about somebody who knew what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. They knew the cost of following Jesus. You can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 22. We're going to be talking about Peter. Peter knew what it meant to take up his cross. But he also knew what it meant to let Jesus down. Some would say Peter failed. Maybe right now, maybe you feel that weight of letdown. Maybe you feel like some type of personal failure. You let somebody down. Maybe you let God down. You didn't perform in the way that you thought you were supposed to. And you feel the weight of that. All of us have been in that same place. I don't know what it could be, but maybe some of you made a vow to God and you broke it. Maybe you made a promise to yourself and you broke it. You made a commitment to someone else and you did not fulfill that commitment. It could be any number of things. Maybe you neglected your marriage when you knew you shouldn't. You said it doesn't matter and now you don't know how you're going to make it up. Maybe you're facing a financial mountain. You could have never thought you could have accumulated that much debt. But here you are. You thought at some point I could have got myself out of it. And you feel this weight of failure on top of you. You had a plan. You had a dream. But life happened. Things changed. You say, how can I be where I'm at? How did I get here? I wish I could go back and do it all over again. We're going to look at Peter, a man who deserved to be counted out. But because of the grace of Jesus, he was given another chance. I want you to realize this. I want you to write this down, commit it to memory. It's something I have to commit to memory all the time. And I have to tell myself, you are not a failure. A failure is an event and not a person. Peter knew what it was like to fail, but that did not make him a failure. Before we get into this, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we can come here and worship you. Let us now decide to be followers of you and not just a fan. Let us look to you 
every single day. We ask this in your name. Amen. We're going to be starting in verse 52 there in Luke 22. Give you a little backstory of what we're getting up to. So a lot of people would think maybe this would be something for Easter just because of what is happening here. So here is Jesus. He's in the upper room. They're having what we know as the Last Supper. And he says to Peter, Peter, you are going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Peter says, no, I will never deny you. I love you, Jesus. I will die for you. I love you. Jesus says, no, Peter, you will deny me tonight three times before the rooster crows. So here we are in, in the garden and Judas betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And the Roman soldiers come to take Jesus away. Two points to today's message. One, Peter underestimated his own weakness, just like we do sometimes. And two, he followed Jesus, but he followed at a distance. Verse 52, then Jesus said to the chief priest and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, and you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. That verse right there, I think it's how some of us live our lives. You know, Jesus said to them, day after day, I was with you, and you never said anything bad about me there. Why now? Why has your mind changed? Why are you now coming to arrest me? Verse 54, then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else said, You, you are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly, this man was also with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking, talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and gazed at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord and how he said unto him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. When was the last time you wept over your own sin? I'm not talking about, oh, give me some onions, let me get up some tears. No, I'm talking about you realized that you have just done something terribly wrong. And you felt shame and guilt because you said, I'm a follower of Christ. And then you turned around and did the exact opposite of what a follower of Christ would do. You are only as strong as... As you are honest. And that was Peter's mistake. 
Peter was not very honest with himself. Every single one of us here, we're capable of sinning, messing up and falling short of God's glory and letting him down, letting ourselves down and letting other people down. We are all capable of a horrific sin at any moment. And that's what makes us human and in need of a savior and a leader like Jesus. Paul even said, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. In other words, if you would say, I would never have an affair. I would never cheat. I would never do that. We need to be aware of our own weakness. You know, I think that I'm a pretty patient person, especially while driving. I see a lot of people and know a lot of people who aren't. But for me, I'm going to get there when I get there. I take my time. I don't mind being in the car. That's why sometimes when me and Allie find a free concert or concert for $10, we don't care if it's 100, 120 miles away. We'll drive to it. I don't mind being in the car. But if I need to get there quickly or if I'm hungry, that all could change in a moment. My patience could run out and I could be slamming on the steering wheel, smacking it and telling people they're number one. We are all capable of sinning at any moment. I'm not above that, and I know better than that. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. That acknowledging weakness is the first step towards true strength. In order to find true strength, you need to acknowledge your weakness. You need to admit, I am not above that. And that could happen to me. Verse 54 there in Luke 22, it says, Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. Peter did not recognize his own weakness. He said, I will die with you, Jesus. The reality is we get to choose how close we are to Jesus. Either you're walking towards Jesus Or you're walking away from Jesus. There is no standing still in the middle. You're either going towards or going away. You know, I want to be in the action. I want to be in the word. I want the Holy Spirit leading me. I want to be serving in the church. I want to be close to Jesus. Because all above all else, he's the one that I value. But here is the tragic truth. And quite honestly, maybe perhaps in this church today, it's more comfortable to follow Jesus at a distance. I said it two weeks ago and I'll say it again. People want to be close enough to have eternal life, but not close enough that it requires personal sacrifice. So keep me out of the hot place when I die. And let me go to the place where there are angels. I want to be in heaven, but I don't want the cost of following Jesus too closely. I don't want people to think that I'm a Jesus freak or a Bible thumper. You know, I don't want to make people feel bad, but when me and Allie get to visit another church, I don't like to sit all the way in the back. Even when we don't have to do sound, I don't like sitting all the way in the back. I want to be closer. Because here's the thing. The closer I am, 
the less distractions there are. When you sit in the back, you can see people maybe playing on their phones, writing notes to each other, talking back and forth. But when you're closer, you don't have to worry about that because all of that is behind you. So I want to be so close to Jesus that I don't see all these other distractions. I want to be close to the action. I want to be able to worship in an intimate way. You know, about five years ago, Allie won some concert tickets to go see Bon Jovi. So we drive up to the radio station to get them, and we're thinking, oh, these should be pretty good seats. Then we got them. We looked at them. We looked it up. We were about two or three rows from the top at the queue, all the way at the opposite end. Was it cool? Yes. But could we really see the action of what was going on? No, because we were too far away. Now, there are times that we're able to get floor seating, you know, and we're close to the action. We can see it. We can feel the music. We may not be able to hear on the car ride home, but we're right there with the action. It's such a different perspective when you're right there, down there with the action. I want to be so close to Jesus that I hear his voice and I sense his presence. I want to be the one who gets here early and pursues him. I want his presence leading me every single day. In fact, I will argue all day long with this about Peter. And you do have the option to disagree with me because you do have the option to be wrong. But if Peter was close to Jesus, he probably wouldn't have denied Jesus. Why? Why? Because just a few hours earlier in the garden... Peter grabbed a sword and he cut off a guy's ear. Why? Because he was close to Jesus. Why did he cut off the guy's ear? He had bad aim. He wasn't a swordsman. You know that. He said, I will die for you, Jesus. He tried to kill that guy. Jesus picks up the ear and says, no, Peter, we're not going to do it like this. We'll take care of this later. I want to be physically close to Jesus. How close to Jesus do you want to be? When Peter was further away, it made him more vulnerable. If we could just get in the mind of Peter for a minute. Peter, what was it like that day? What took place? How would Peter tell us how it went? I got a little video here of maybe how Peter would tell us how it went. They say a rooster crowing is God's wake-up call. Yeah, that's, uh, at least that's the way it was for me. Everything, that, that whole night was a blur, all right? Um, I didn't comprehend, none of us could comprehend everything that was going on, all right? We were all in the upper room, Jesus was washing our feet. Um, then we were in the garden, Jesus goes off to pray by himself. I fell asleep, and I'm proud of it. I had a big meal. Bread makes me sleepy. Next thing we know, me, James, and John, Jesus is in our face, and he's trying to wake us up. And uh, he said, um, what is he? he said, uh, 
the, the, uh, the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. And, and then before we know it, Judas is kissing Jesus on the cheek. I try to go help him. I cut off this guard's ear. For the record, I wasn't aiming for his ear. I'm a fisherman, not a swordsman. Then they, uh, they arrest Jesus and they take him off. And we, we ran. And it wasn't but two hours earlier that we were in the upper room. I was looking at him. I was looking him right in the eye saying, if everyone disowns you, Jesus, I won't. I'm with you. I love you. And I think that's what made me stop, turn around, go back. And uh, I caught a glimpse of Jesus as they were taking him to the high priest's house. Stood at the gate. Some girl comes up to me, starts pointing at me, starts going, you, you're with him. You're with this man that claims to be the son of God. You're one of his disciples. I felt like every eye was on me. So I just brushed her off. I said, you don't know what you're talking about. You got the wrong guy. I get my way into the courtyard and uh, it's cold. I, I try to warm up by the fire. And then there's this guy that recognizes me. And he is uh, from the ear incident, you know, and starts going, get him, get him. He's with him. Just arrest him. Get him. And I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about, all right? I wasn't with him. It was easier the second time to deny him. sometime right before morning and um, this wise guy comes up to me and goes, who are you kidding, all right? Who are you fooling? You're with him. I can tell by your accent. I'm like, this is just the way I talk, all right? And, and the whole night, they kept pushing him around. They kept beating him. They kept spitting on him, throwing insults at him, and I couldn't take it anymore. I had enough. I was tired of people accusing me, looking at me, and I, and I just I said a few things that I'm not proud of, but I was like, leave him alone. You don't know what you're doing, all right? Just leave him alone. I wasn't with him. That's when I heard the most blood-curdling sound I ever heard in my whole life. I heard that rooster crow. And at that moment, Jesus, he turns around and he looks at me. He looks at me. And his gaze, you can't escape his gaze. I mean, when his eyes are on you, you cannot escape it. And they arrested him and they took him off. I will die with you, Jesus. If, everyone, if everybody disowns you, I will die with you. What a joke. I mean, what would you do? At that moment, at that time, I ran. I ran so fast. I ran so long. His gaze. There is no escaping the look you could get from Jesus when you let him down. There's no escaping the feel you would get 
when you have denied Jesus? How have you denied Jesus in your life? What is it that you are doing that is not pointing toward people towards Christ? Peter, a disciple who saw the miracles of Jesus, who walked on water with Jesus, made the mistake of not following close enough. What are some of the scenes that would unfold in your life differently? How would your life be different if you decided to be a follower instead of a fan? What would your life look like if you completely followed Jesus? No excuses. Wherever, whenever, whatever. What is the one place that you find it most difficult to follow Jesus? If Jesus said to you, if you said to Jesus, wherever, where do you think that place would be that he would point and say right there? Right there. That is where I want you to follow me. Wherever. What about your own home? There is a tendency to carry a cross and follow Jesus. But sometimes before we walk in the door of our own home, we take that cross and we set it on the porch. We say, Jesus, wait out here for me. I'll come back to you in the morning. Instead of submitting, you stand up for your rights. Instead of serving, you just sit around. Instead of being patient, you are demanding. Instead of being encouraging you are constantly critical instead of being a spiritual leader you are passive and apathetic in your own home so what about there wherever what about at work at 9 a.m during the work week so many fans of jesus they get out of their car they lay their cross down and they say jesus wait here I'll be back around five. When they clock into work, they clock out of the following. You justify greed by calling it ambition. You rationalize dishonesty by calling it shrewd business. And you stay quiet about your faith. And you call it being tolerant. How close are you following Jesus? How far back did you lay your cross down? What is the place that Jesus is saying, you need to follow me there? You may be down, but you're not out. I want you to know that. I want you to know the rest of the story of Peter if you don't already. Here is the awesome thing about Peter After Christ was crucified, he rises from the grave. The disciples are there on the beach. And Jesus comes up to Peter. He says, Peter, feed my sheep. And Peter doesn't get this concept. He says, Lord, I let you down. I denied you. He said, I don't deserve this. And Jesus said, what I did on that cross, 
was for you. That is grace, Peter. Grace is God's gift for us. So no matter how far away from Jesus you are, he's offering you grace. He's offering you forgiveness. He's offering you another chance. Peter knew this, that one minute you may be walking on water and the next you may be sinking. And he also learned that failure is not fatal. Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times in one night, says, I don't know him. Get away from me. Is the one who gets to preach on the day of Pentecost where it says thousands of souls were added to the church. Why? Because Peter knew about grace. In 1 Peter 4:16, Peter says this, "If you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid because you suffer as a Christian. Just praise God that you bear his name and that you can call yourself a Christian. Today is the day. Today is the day you surrender your secret sin. The time is now. Don't say don't tell yourself tomorrow. Today is the day you start living for him. In Joshua 24:15, he says, "Choose this day who you will follow. Are you going to follow the false gods of money? Are you going to follow the false gods of success and work? Are you going to follow the gods of lust? Are you going to follow the gods of Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat? Who are you going to follow? And Joshua says this, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is that what you are saying? Is that what you are claiming? You know what? I don't care what people say about me. I don't care if they call me a Jesus freak or a Bible thumper. I'm going to serve the Lord. You know, a song that we sing here sometimes. I love it when we do it. I have decided to follow Jesus. Some of you may know the story behind this song. We shared it a couple of years ago at a Good Friday service, but I want to share it again. It's something really touching and really emotional. And once you understand the story, I think you're going to look at the song in a totally different aspect. So here's what it is. There was... In the 19th century, a Welsh missionary was there in India witnessing to the tribes. And this one man, he heard the story of Jesus. And he said, wow, he did that for me? A sinner like me? Somebody who has done all these things, all these wrong things? And he converted to Christianity. This made the chief of the tribe very upset and he went to him and he said i demand you recount the name of jesus i demand that you deny jesus as your savior and the man's words were this i have decided to follow jesus but that's not the end of the story the chief was so mad, he took this man's family outside. And he said, deny Jesus or I will kill your family. 
You need to follow what this tribe teaches. That Jesus, he didn't do anything for you. And as that man's family was being slaughtered, he said, though none go with me, still I will follow. He knew the cost right there of following Jesus. And yet he didn't denounce him. Chief gave him one more try to say that Jesus wasn't real. He took this man to the center of town. They started beating him. They started putting rocks on him to crush his chest. And they said, are you going to deny Jesus? Deny Jesus. The man's final words. The cross before me. The world behind me. I'll follow him. I'll follow him. Following the word follow is a verb. It's an action. Following requires movement. And following will always require action. You are not what you have done. You are who God created you to be. Today is the day of surrender. Luke 9.23 says this. If anyone would come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. Not take up your cross on Sunday when you come to church. Take up your cross daily and follow me. You have a decision today to make of who you want to serve. Of how closely you want to follow Jesus. We're going to be open up the altar for a time of invitation, reflection. We have some bracelets up here. They have a small and a large one. Do you have smaller wrist? Small ones are on this side, the larger ones on that side. It says, not a fan. And on the back it says, Luke 9.23. If you want one, you can have one. To remind yourself daily that you need to follow Christ. That you are more than just a fan. You are created for more. You know, in a popular DC Talk song, in the middle has some talking, and here's what it says. It says, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. Yes, Christians who announce God with their lips. But then you walk out the door on church on Sunday morning and you deny Christ by your lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. People are out there dying and going to hell 
because of how we live. Because we choose to be just a fan. Well, I want to tell you this. I am Pastor Luke, and I am not a fan. Father God, we thank you for this time. Let us be followers of you. Let us show the world what your love is like. Let us show the world that you came to save them. And that you have something great and wonderful to offer. As we have a decision right now. We have a decision whether we want to be a fan or a follower. I urge you right now to become a follower and more than just a fan.